Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest has lived through undeniable pain, but she's found Jesus and not only been delivered, but redeemed. It's such an inspiring story. Her name is Christine Soul, and she's going to share that story with us today and help us to understand how she overcame all of the difficult circumstances in her life. Christine Soul is our guest today. She is the founder and CEO of Providence Heights. She's also the author of a very inspiring story called Broken and Beautiful. It's a memoir of her life. So, Christine, I was reading your bio, and reading that bio is kind of surreal. When it comes to uh, neglect and trauma and abuse, you unfortunately pretty much experienced anything imaginable, didn't you? I had some interesting circumstances growing up, for sure. Uh, Can you explain to us a little bit about uh, what that was like growing up and some of the things that you did experience? Yeah, so... My father was married eight times. My mom was married four. And, you know, I, at about age 10, I started doing drugs. Um, My mom, who's my hero, she's, she did everything she could to raise me, but she often worked three jobs. So I was kind of on my own from about the age five on. And so I just did my own thing. By the time I was 17, I I was pregnant and I ended up in California. By 19, I had twins. I was a meth addict. I was trafficked. I was abused. And I was a very bitter and angry woman. As a young person, how did you deal with all of these emotions? Obviously, like you said, you you started doing drugs at just 10 years old. Yeah, that's a great question. So as a young person, I think the way I filtered things was... I, I just didn't really let things affect me. I always saw the beauty and everything around me. And I accepted the fact, you know, I probably saw my dad, I don't know, maybe 10 times after I was five years old when they got a divorce. And I very quickly learned, you know, I was the one that was sitting with a backpack ready to go for the weekend to spend time with my dad and he wouldn't show up. And so that was kind of what I got used to. That was my normal. And I just learned that he really wasn't capable of being the dad that I wanted him to be. Um, my, my third dad was the one who actually adopted me. I thought, man, now, now this is family. This is, this is truly living. And that was shortly after shattered because he had an affair with my sister They ran off and got married, drained the bank account, and we ended up losing everything that we had. And yeah, by them getting married by law, my sister was my stepmom and my father was my brother-in-law. So (laughs) that'll that'll lead to a little bit of dysfunction right there. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, just surreal. I can't even imagine living through stuff like that. How did you come out of all that today, you're successful and doing great things. Was there like one moment in your life or was it a series of events? What brought you out of all that trauma? Yeah. You know, I think there was definitely a series of events. I feel that I was 100% marked and called by God. I, I have so many moments in my life where I would even be on meth 
and in a strip club and telling people that they need Jesus when I, I didn't know Jesus, (laughs) but I always believed in, in God. And, um, I think that there was definitely just a calling in my life. And at the age of 21, I fell to my knees and I cried out to God. And I just said, if you are real, take my life, it's yours. And I so tangibly felt the power and presence of God that I went and I threw everything away. And, you know, where I should have had a heart attack, I never even had a desire, temptation or or withdrawal. I was completely healed. And and I know that that's not the story for for all people, but, you know, that was my story. And, And I believe that it's for such a time as this to be able to really let people know that we have a a huge God and he does work miracles in our lives. And really that's my passion now to help other people to walk through difficult circumstances. You mentioned that you still had your faith when you were on meth, when you were in a strip club, how did you manage to keep the faith? uh, Obviously not to where it is today throughout all of that. Yeah. I can't say I had a faith. Um, we would call that sort of saved. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I made it to that level. I just believed that there was a God and I believed that he loved me. I had really no knowledge of um, what he thought or what his heart was for me. I just believed there was a guy out there and we called him Jesus because I don't know, that's what other people said. And that was really my only background I had on, on my faith. When you did uh, finally cry out to God and like you said, delivered from addiction and stuff, can you just explain uh, what that felt like and what God's presence felt like? Well, I will tell you, (laughs) this is, it's a, a great lesson. I think for all of your, your listeners is, you know, Immediately, I started going to a church, um, short skirt, low cut, um, top with my three kids. And yeah, it was it was definitely different. But you know what? I wanted Jesus with all my heart. And needless to say, I didn't quite fit in. And I felt a lot of rejection. Hmm. But I wanted Jesus desperately. And I think that that's an opportunity for us all to really learn that, you know, no matter where someone is, if they step into a church, they're hungry and they're seeking and, and that I just needed somebody to help guide me. So it, it did set me on a journey of really trying to discover him for myself. And, you know, I had another moment of real surrender where I ended up in my mom's basement after that. Um, because I was bouncing from couch to couch, house to house, and I didn't know how I was going to survive. I didn't know how I was going to provide for my babies. And then I, I ended up in my mom's basement. At one point, I fanned out all my bills, and I just, I, I had $40 to my name, and I said, God, I, I can't put a dent in any of this. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I thought, you know what? He really saved me before. I wonder if I gave the $40 to him, Hmm. if he just helped me. And so I wrote a check to the one person that I knew who, who went to a church and I gave that to him. And I said, can you just give this to your church? He thought nothing of it. And, um, 
he had no idea it was my last penny to provide for my babies. But that man is the man that I've been married to for 23 years now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is that wild? So I would say God provided. Um, <laughs> when um, uh, you mentioned, you know, going to church and a bit of rejection, often churches, we say, come as you are, come as you are. Right. But then when people show up how they are, we're like, whoa, not quite like not that. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh, but like you said, people coming through the doors, they're hungry, right? Uh, yeah. Any other things you might say to, to, you know, normal everyday Christians, let's say how we can do a better job at welcoming people in. Yeah, that's so good. I would say, um, like I said, if they're there, they're seeking and, you know, just ask, ask their story. My big thing I love to ask people, no matter where I am, not, not in a church necessarily, but everywhere I go, what's your passion? What's your passion? Um, Or tell me your story. Hmm. You know, obviously, if a girl comes in with a short skirt and three kids and she's 21 years old, she's probably got a story to share. (laughs) And and she could probably use somebody that would embrace her and, and allow her that freedom to share. So really, that one person that sticks out in the crowd, the one that everyone kind of wants to stray away from, is really the one that in most cases needs the most help. Oh, Colleen, you nailed it. <laughs> I'll tell you another moment that I had to right, uh, probably about six or so months prior to um, all of this is I was really in a desperate state. And um, I jumped into my friend's car. She was a neighbor, really good woman, helped me out. She'd watched my kids. She was, she was probably my, my strongest uh, refuge at, in that time for my life. And I jumped into her car and she's got this pastor talking. And I'm like, what is that? And she goes, oh, it's, it's just uh, my pastor. I have a recorded message and she ejected. It was a cassette tape. This is how long ago it was. <laughs> she ejected it from her car. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm confused. Why, why is your pastor talking on a tape? She goes, well, they just record him. And I kept asking her questions and she knew my situation and she knew how hard my life was. And she ejected the tape. I mm. swung the door wide open. I continued to ask her questions and she never had the courage to say, let me tell you about my savior. Yeah. And I, I went on, I was pretty brutally raped after that, which was, was very horrific that, that did bring me to my knees and calling out to Jesus. Um, but man, never assume someone is too rough or doesn't want to hear like, be uncomfortable, do it afraid, just be willing to step out and, and say something because you have no idea what moment could be the moment for someone to totally turn their lives around. Yeah. So often we're telling ourselves, Oh, don't say anything. You'll offend them. You'll push them away. But that other person so often they're just waiting to hear that message of hope. You're right. You're so right. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to now and and what life is like for you nowadays. Well, you know, I I went from extreme poverty to marrying a man who owned a software company. And (laughs) he's got the biggest heart in the world. And so we really began a life of philanthropy, uh, spirit of generosity. I got to pour out those, um, the compassion that I had for other people who were in difficult circumstances 
And about, uh, let's see, almost three years ago, I was driving down the road and God said, turn the car around, go talk to that woman. And I'm looking around going, what woman? And I see a, a homeless woman on the side of the road. And, and she told me her story. And it was like verbatim, my story, identical twins, everything. And I got into my car, I began to weep. And um, I just really felt like God was saying, you go be the difference you want to see in the world. And, and so I was like, you want me to do something about that? And, and what he, I felt like he said to me is they need four things. They need Jesus, someone to believe in them, training and education, and they need an opportunity. And in that moment in my car, I said, yes, Lord. So here we are almost three years later, and we have a training center called Providence Heights, where we are going to house women that are at risk. And so the way I describe it is, you know, we've all been at the edge of the cliff and, you know, the next steps that we take will determine whether we start to fall off of that cliff and, and people are throwing ropes, but depending on how, how far the women have fallen, will determine whether we can even pull them up or if they even have the energy to hold on. So what we are is a guardrail. Um, we're, we're preventing that from ever happening and, and providing them with opportunities to really thrive in life, you know, by helping them build a website or do marketing, start businesses, uh, start a LLC or a 501c3 and, and really help them to discover their purpose and calling in life. Because I believe that, that God's created something in every human being. And so it's a matter of just seeking that out. So Yes, we provide housing. It's a one-year program, but that's not the focus. It's like a college dorm um, atmosphere where, where the housing is, is provided, but really it's the entrepreneurial skills that we're going to teach to really launch them into their destinies. Uh, what's uh, it like for you to get to watch women come in who were in the same spot you were in and, uh, yeah, to watch transformation begin to take place in their lives? Well, you know, we just got the keys January 4th to the building and nice. January 8th, we had a dedication and February 1st, we'll start housing women. That's a, that will be our first eight women. We can have 88 women and children and um, potentially going up to 138 women and children. Um, we, so we have, we're doing our uh, applications right now to see who is qualified to be our first eight. And every month we'll, we'll bring eight more women in. And so I have had some interesting experiences though. We did have a woman who just came in and um, we got to find a different facility for her because we've partnered with Union Gospel Mission and other organizations. And so we got her into a safe place um, because we're not open yet, but you know, she just sent me a text that, that this moment has saved her life. Um, she's reading my book that, that I had written. And um, it's, it's been amazing already to see transformation and change. In fact, she's at Union Gospel Mission. And now I'm communicating with another girl who I think would be perfect for our organization. So she's really hoping to step out of Union Gospel Mission and into uh, our facility. So Obviously. We're very unique in what we're doing. We're also creating a sustainable model that I think will be for all of the United States, maybe even Canada, where we are really focused on not only sustainability for the women, but sustainability for ourselves by creating our own businesses that women can work in 
And uh, we will take that, all of the revenue sources from the businesses that we start for real estate investments will go 100% into continuing to fund at-risk individuals. Now, that's obviously something that's very necessary. Um, You were also mentioning your book. Can you tell us a little bit about that book, Broken and Beautiful? Yeah, so I wrote a book. I don't know whose bright idea it was to launch it at the same time as Providence Heights because (laughs) um, both are are very full-time jobs, Um, but we've had an amazing response. And the book is really, it's my story. However, it's it's broken up. I say it's my story. It, I write my story on it, but really it's, it's the reader's story because in every chapter, instead of just telling the story, it's really, you know, how do we overcome fear? How do we overcome, um, you know, I was going to commit suicide, uh, abortion, all of these like real hot topic issues we really dive into and um, just share my heart, but really challenge other people to, to, look into their own lives. What was it like for you to write that book and story out? You know, my big thing was how would my children feel? And mm-hmm. all of a sudden my kids started saying, mom, just write a book. And, and so that was really what prompted it was the blessing of my children. And the real point in it was for Providence Heights. It, that's really all roads lead to Providence. I wanted something for our ladies and what I've discovered as, as the pages began to fill up that really I might not be able to touch all, all women or even men, men are loving it as well, but, but I can get a book into, to all people's hands that will receive that. And I, the comments that I've heard, even um, a woman saying that I want the Jesus that, you know, who's not a Christian. So the, the feedback has been incredible and all of the proceeds will go to Providence Heights. What, um, speaking of Providence over the last uh, several years of your life and your journey of following after Jesus, what's been the biggest thing about God's Providence or God's promises that you've learned? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. He's so, <laughs> so good. That's what I've learned. He is a miracle working God. And every time we turn around, I mean, we find our building, it's a hotel. They're like, oh yeah, we'll give you furniture. And I'm like, great. But now my heart for these women, I wanted such beauty and excellence. And then two days later, I meet the guy from World Vision who donates all brand new furniture from Costco. Like that has been our journey every single step of the way. And I know that everything that I went through, which, I mean, we just skimmed the surface of, of my story, but everything that I went through, I would do it again, knowing that this is the, this is the outcome. It made me who I am today. It gave me the passion and drive to really empower women so that they can be set free, so that they can live an abundant life. And, and so that is my absolute drive and passion. I would not have that if I didn't go through what I went through. So, so providence means God's protective provision. He protects and he provides. And that has been our story in our journey. And I know that when women come in, that will be their journey and their story. 
What would you say to other women out there who are going through a situation that was like yours and they just can't see that light? They're at the bottom. They've got nothing. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. What would you say to them? Oh, well, first I'd want to squeeze them really tight. Um, (laughs) Don't give up. There's hope. Look to the father. He is a redeemer. He will carry you through. He will um, pour into your heart when you really seek him. Trusting him. My first scripture I ever learned, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your steps. If you release, I think the biggest thing a woman can do is surrender. A woman and a man is surrender to God. Just surrender and say, you know what? I, I kind of stink at this. I've been doing it on my own. Just give it to him and trust that process. And know we, we have a little saying that we say is, you know, the whole world is conspiring to make us a success. Hmm. Even in the bad circumstances, even in the trials, believing God is conspiring to make us a, a success. But the only way he can do that is if we take what the enemy did for evil and allow God to turn it for good, see the beauty, learn from the circumstance, grow and, and become that child of God that he created you to be. There's so much hope. I was going to ask you if there is like a specific scripture you've clung to over the years, a favorite, but is it that one from Proverbs there? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah, that I absolutely love. I think my favorite scripture though, is um, where, where they had asked Jesus, what's the most important thing. And I'll tell you what, when I read that, I did lean in. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, what is the most important thing? And it was, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, okay, you know, I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but I get it. Love God, love his people, you know, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so I realized, you know, even, you know, when did we care for you? When did we, when did we feed you, Jesus? When did we do these things for you? And he said, as you have done for the least of these, you've done for me. So my focus in life, my reason for sucking air is to love God and love his people. I get it. That's my journey. That's my goal. How can we learn more about yourself, about your book, Broken and Beautiful, and about Providence Heights? Yeah, so for for myself, um, I'd love it. If you want to grab the book, uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can also go to christinesoul.com as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast Connections with Mike Tom and Colleen Hood. We'll talk to you again on Connections.